Mark Cuban. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you're not, if you don't pay attention to detail on the little things, you're not going to be in the habit of paying attention to detail for the big things. Ken Griffey Jr. Hey, he wears his hat backwards. Well, I wear my hat backwards because my dad had a fro and I wanted to wear his hat. And if I put his hat on at age six and, you know, he's got a eight and a half and I got like a little five, it's not going to really stay on my head. Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everybody. John Smoltz. Is if you don't have the imagination and the willingness to fail or not being afraid to fail, I don't think you can be truly great. Candace Parker. I have had so much hope for this generation coming up that have grown up with women in sports, in leadership roles, on television, speaking about sports, speaking knowledgeably about sports. Pau Gasol. To me, all the work that I've done, all the humanitarian work that I've done has always given me great perspective, has allowed me to keep my feet on the ground and uh, has really put and reminded me what's truly important. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for joining us on this edition of Sports Business Radio. Happy 2022 to you all. We had a great 2021 on this show, and we look forward to an even better 2022, year 18 of Sports Business Radio. A great guest for you to kick off the year. Monica Aldama, 14-time national champion, head cheerleading coach at Navarro College. You may have seen her as the star of the Emmy Award-winning Netflix docuseries Cheer, And she's the author of the new book out today, Full Out, Lessons in Life and Leadership from America's Favorite Coach. It's in bookstores everywhere. And she's going to join me on Sports Business Radio this week. Aldama discusses her incredible feat of winning 14 national championships, how her profiles exploded after starring in the hit Netflix series Cheer, what we can expect from season two of Cheer that was recently announced, And she shares valuable lessons in leadership, resilience, and how to relate to today's young athlete. So you're going to enjoy this conversation. I'm joined by executive producer, Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? I'm doing good and happy new year to you. Excited to be in year 18 of SBR. And uh, I tell you, anytime anybody can win 14 national championships, they're doing something right, right? (laughs) Well, it's interesting. If you watch the Netflix docuseries Cheer, they compare Monica. They call her the Nick Saban of cheerleading like all she does is win she just wins and wins and wins and you know the thing that's really tough is that they're striving for perfection like just a tenth of a point can cost you a championship and they've got just a few minutes to perform their routines and i'll tell you what anyone who doesn't think that cheerleaders are athletes if you watch that docuseries wow you come away with a completely different perspective i mean they're performing with cracked ribs and, you know, all kinds of different injuries, ankle sprains and things like that. So you watch that and you have a new respect for cheerleaders. Anyone who thinks they're just on the sidelines cheering for the quote unquote real athletes. If you watch this, you'll change your mind pretty quickly. No doubt. I mean, I've watched a couple of those cheer championships too on ESPN when they put them on there and it is incredible. Not only are they jumping all over the place, but they're synchronized and there's 25 of them out there doing the same thing at the same time. It's, it's baffling to watch. And I just started watching cheer too. So I'm catching up, but it is uh, it's a fascinating show. All right. Before we get to our sports business radio headlines, we want to welcome a new partner to sports business radio, Roan, R-H-O-N-E. 
They're the new official menswear partner of Sports Business Radio. You know, Griggs, I've loved their product for a long time. I've been a fan of their company for several years. So to have the opportunity to work with them is just been its great for us. And I think it's going to benefit our listeners as well. Roan makes the absolute highest quality, best fitting, and most comfortable performance-driven clothing for men. Their entire line places emphasis on an active, balanced, and purpose-driven lifestyle. I've been wearing the seven-inch Mako short and Rain Tech short sleeve shirt for all of my Peloton rides and workouts recently, for all my in-person meetings, or even when I'm looking to dress up for a podcast filming in my home studio. It's been the commuter pant and the commuter shirt for me. They're both super comfortable, very breathable, and I look professional. Um, it's just been really comfortable. And I got to tell you this, I'd never worn a jogger before. I was always like, what's a jogger pant? Griggs, I'm wearing them right now. I may never take them off. They have become my absolute favorite piece of clothing. So the spar jogger pant, I can wear this around the house when I'm recording right now. Uh, I can wear it when I'm working out. It is amazing. And then I have the Tundra quilted hooded jacket. This is now my favorite jacket because what I don't like in a jacket is the super heavy, bulky jacket. You want to stay warm, but I don't want something super bulky. And this Tundra quilted hooded jacket, it's my favorite jacket now because it's sleek. It's not too bulky, but lo and behold, it keeps me warm. And it has been cold here in Portland, Oregon recently. We've been in the teens. We've had snow. So this jacket has really helped me get through the winter months. Roan is offering Sports Business Radio podcast listeners 20% off your purchase. If you go to Roan.com, again, that's R-H-O-N-E.com, and you enter the promo code SBR20, like Sports Business Radio 20, SBR20 at checkout, you're going to receive 20% off your purchase. That is a meaningful discount. We so appreciate that from Roan. Roan.com, enter the promo code SBR20 at checkout. Griggs, I know you've got some of their new sweatpants as well. And uh, I'll tell you, it's it's comfortable clothing. Well, I think the, the key word you said in that whole thing was sleek. I love how they look really good. They look professional, yet they're super comfortable. They fit good. It's just, uh, yeah, their whole line is awesome. Everything that I keep trying is really good and impressive. So take advantage of that, uh, of that discount because it's worth it. All right, let's get to some sports business radio headlines of the week. Headline number one, John Madden, 85 years old, and he has died. And, you know, what a pioneer he was in so many different ways. I read a tweet from someone that said he could have gone into the Hall of Fame for three different things. One, he coached the Oakland Raiders to a Super Bowl victory. He has the second highest winning percentage of any NFL coach in history. He was 103 32 and seven in his career. He was a groundbreaking TV analyst. He worked for all four of the major networks. You know, Griggs, he's someone who kind of instituted the let's go to practice. If you're an analyst and watch practice, let's talk to the coaches. Let's talk to the players. No one was doing that before him. He really made the telestrator what it is today and had some really funny things, whether it was a Gatorade bath or uh, how he was going to carve the turkey or, you know, purposefully what was happening in a football game. He had the ability to explain football to us like no one else. And he was known to legions of younger sports fans as the namesake of Madden football, the iconic video game franchise that's generated more than $7 billion. 
in revenue. And it's ironic that he dies just days after the old Madden documentary was produced by our friend Tom Rinaldi. It aired on Fox. It's really a masterpiece. I texted Tom and said, I think this is his best work ever. And that's really saying something because Rinaldi's done some amazing things in his career. But if you have not seen All Madden on Fox Sports, I would highly recommend it. But rest in peace to John Madden, 85 years old. What a life he led. Um, you know, the Madden Cruiser is in the Hall of Fame. He just, he was one of one. I mean, we say that about a lot of people that they were one of one, but he was truly a unique individual, Griggs. Yeah, he will be missed. And, you know, my era growing up, I was a little bit too young for his coaching days. But man, uh, as a broadcaster with him and Pat Summerall, I just I looked forward to every Sunday sitting down with my dad and my brother watching those games as he just made me laugh. He described the game really fun. You know, his description of Turkey every Thanksgiving. I mean, he's just <laughs> iconic. And his use of the, you know, the board drawing all over the screen. I mean, I just I looked forward to his broadcast every single week. Yeah. He was amazing. Um, you know, I think it was Jim Gray who suggested changing the NFL All-Pro team, renaming it the NFL All-Madden team, I would second that suggestion. I think that's a great idea. I hope the NFL listens to that. And uh, I think it would be great to have Madden's name on that All-Pro team going forward. All right, our next headline, COVID numbers are up big for the NFL, the NBA, the NHL. Griggs, I've never seen more players on 10-day contracts than the NBA players I've never heard of. And the NFL, you know, you've got quarterbacks and star players going in and out of the lineup. And the NHL actually had to pause their season. So at the beginning of the pandemic, we saw things shut down. These leagues got up and running again. But now they're really having to struggle to keep things running. And and we're going to see what this means for big events like the college football playoff championship coming up between Alabama and Georgia. Um, the Super Bowl and the NFL playoffs coming up. Interestingly enough, the NFL sent out a memo saying if you're a media member and you're going to cover the playoffs or the Super Bowl, you've not only got to be vaccinated, you have to have your booster and you've got to show proof of that. So, you know, more and more events, mega events like the Super Bowl are going to require boosters. And I think, you know, as we've said from the beginning, this is an ongoing deal here. Like, it's not like we're going to wake up one day in three months and the pandemic's going to be done. This is going to morph and change and this virus is changing and, you know, everyone's going to have to adapt to it the best as possible. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy that we're still moving, you know, in new directions in this COVID era as we get into a new year here. And it's just uh, it's fascinating to see how it goes and changes and how these big leagues are trying to adapt to it. Um, I was looking at some concert tickets the other day. Like you said, two big events are making you not only be vaxxed, but boosted and proof of it, too. So lots of these big events changing and adapting and, and uh, man, it just keeps evolving. All right. I want to remind people to go back into the Sports Business Radio archive. 17 years of great interviews, but more recently, Maria Sharapova was on with me in December, Bubba Watson, Sue Bird, uh, Mark Cuban, Jeannie Buss, Arthur Blank, Danica Patrick. We've had some great guests on in the last year or so. So go back and listen to some of those interviews. I'll tease my annual conversation with Peter O'Reilly, the executive at the NFL who was in charge of all the logistics and operations around the Super Bowl. He's going to join me prior to Super Bowl 56 in Los Angeles. Griggs, I'm scheduled to be in Los Angeles for Super Bowl 56, and we may do some special things around 
that for our show, but we've got some good things coming up in the next month or two relating to the Super Bowl cap by that interview with Peter O'Reilly. That's always a great conversation. Here's the person in charge of producing one of the biggest sporting events in the world, and he gives us a real unique perspective on you know what's going into the production and the planning for the Super Bowl. So I'm looking forward to that conversation. Yeah, Peter's my favorite every year. I just he has so much insight, and I mean, like you said, it's the biggest event in the world to plan and produce and and make it happen. And yeah, he 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 just knows so many things, so many insights, and just there's so much that goes behind the scenes into producing this big event. And uh, looking forward to seeing it in SoFi down in LA. It's going to just show well. That's going to be a great stadium for the big game. Coming up next, Monica Aldama, 14-time national champion, head cheerleading coach at Navarro College, star of the Emmy Award-winning Netflix series Cheer. And author of the new book, it's out today, Full Out, Lessons in Life and Leadership from America's Favorite Coach. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. My guest is Monica Aldama. She is the author of the new book, Full Out, Lessons in Life and Leadership from America's Favorite Coach. She's also the star of the Emmy-nominated series Cheer on Netflix. I've watched it many times with my daughter. You can follow her on social media at Monica Aldama. Monica, thanks so much for joining me on Sports Business Radio. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. I'm so inspired by your book. Um, I, I think it has so many lessons for everyone, whether it's young people, business people, parents. What inspired you to write your book? Well, you know, I've, this is my 27th year here at Navarro. So obviously with coaching comes a lot of, a lot of experiences, a lot of lessons learned, not just from the kids, but from myself, a lot of ups, downs, wins, losses. And so every year I would just kind of joke around and say, uh, you know, I should write a book one day. I've got all of this great, you know, these great stories and stuff and just really more so joked about it, even though it was kind of in the back of my head. And then uh, the show came out and I had all of these people reaching out to me. Um, I had a lot of publishers reaching out to me. I had a lot of fans reaching out to me about, was I going to write a book? Have I written a book? And so, you know, I thought, well, this would be a really great opportunity to, you know, take that vision that I had that, you know, that I kind of joked about and actually make it happen. And then of course, uh, we went into a pandemic, so I actually had a lot of time on my hands. It's interesting. I've had so many people on recently who have written books during the pandemic because they did have that extra time on their hands. It seems like, you know, that was an inspiration to kind of finally share their story. Yeah. I mean, it it definitely was a good opportunity to have just quiet time. My life is so busy all the time. I really don't have a lot of, uh, I do have more, a little bit more downtime in the summer than, than in the year, but it's just go, go, go. And especially since, you know, filming the show and then the show coming out and then some other, you know, opportunities that I've taken advantage of. I feel like if, if I'm not working and coaching here, then I'm working on another, um, you know, opportunity that I have. So it's just go, go, go. So for, for the pandemic to happen, you know, it, I, you know, although it was awful, it, you know, the blessing was to number one, spend a lot of time with my family. And the number two, just to, you know, have some, some quiet time in my life that I'm not really used to having. Cheer on Netflix was such a big hit. 
Um, give us a little bit of a behind the scenes. I know in your book, you talk about they spent 12 hours a day with you for several months. What was that like? And also, how has Cure changed your life? Well, yeah, it was, you know, definitely something to get used to. Uh, when they first approached me about it, they said, you know, we'll just be like a fly on the wall. Uh, you won't even know we're there. And although that was somewhat true in, in the in the manner of, you know, the first few days, it was a little awkward knowing that you're, you have a microphone on at all times. So everything you say is out there for the world to possibly hear. Um, and then, you know, you I, I just remember the first day saying something and feeling something behind me and, you know, looking around and it's a camera. So I had to get used to that. But it really only took a few days and we were just so focused on our job, what we needed to do inside the gym that it they really kind of did become a, a, a little bit of a, you know, fly on the wall. But because they were filming 12 hours a day, there was a lot of outside of practice filming, which that was not, not really a fly on the wall because that's interviews and them, you know, following in your daily life and, and in your office and in your space. So, you know, it was difficult. It was a lot of work. And, but you know, it, it was worth it. Um, how has it changed my life? I think, you know, my, I, I honestly did not think many people would watch the show because it, because it's cheerleading and that, because it does have such a stereotype with it, which hopefully the show has changed that. That was one of the reasons I wanted to do it, but, but it does have a stereotype of this, you know, mean girls and just pom-poms and stuff on the side. Uh, I really did want to, uh, you know, hopefully have people see it and open them up to what we do and how athletic these kids are. But, but because of the stereotype, I really thought maybe just the cheer community would watch it. So it really took me by surprise how it just spread all over the entire world. So, you know, it, it, it definitely has opened up opportunities, you know, for me to, you know, write this book and do some other things that I probably would not have taken advantage of, even though I've, you know, always kind of thought about different um, things that I could do in the business world. And um, it, you know, I, I feel like I've grown every single year that I coach, I've grown as far as, you know, adapting to the new generation and really trying to understand this younger generation and the kids and where they come from. And and so I've always been open to growing and learning, but I think seeing it out there, seeing the home visits and stuff just takes it a little bit further. And so the ability to probably uh, really see things through their eyes, which I've always worked on anyways, I, you know, just trying to relate to this new generation. They are very different than, than how I grew up. Yeah, I want to talk to you about that. So uh, for our listeners, Monica has won 14 national championships at Navarro College. And you've been at Navarro for 26 years. You've seen a lot and you've had tremendous success, as, as much success as any coach in America today in any sport. And relating to the kids today. So I have a 16-year-old. She's on the dance team at her high school. Things are so different now for the youngsters of today. I think social media has changed a lot. They've had to live through a pandemic where they've missed school and missed some of their extracurricular activities. You seem to connect so well with your team and you're kind of like a mother hen out there, but you also 
demand, you know, success. And you've built this amazing program there. So I guess my question is, as a parent, and also as someone who works with young people every day, what's the key to relating to young people today, Monica? You know, I really think that one of the biggest things that you can do, whether it's relating to young kids or just being successful in business or successful in a relationship or being a good mom or dad, I think it really starts with me because you have to lead by example. And I talk about that in the book, how important leading by example is. Because if your kids don't respect you, if your partner doesn't respect you, if your employees don't respect you, if your teammates don't respect you, it's hard to be able to relate to anyone because you're just getting by, you know? So I think the the first thing is, you know, that I have to make sure I'm leading by example, whatever I expect of them, Mm -hmm. I expect of myself times a thousand, you know? And so number one, I want them to know I'm all in and I'm here. Every expectation I have for you, I'm going to live it. I'm going to have it for myself. Um, that way, then they can at least stop and listen. Okay, what are you trying to tell? Because if I'm doing something completely different than what I'm asking of them, they're not even, we're not even going to be able to start. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that way I feel like then I can start trying to teach some of the lessons that I think are important that are really lost in this generation. I really do think this, this new generation, and I don't know what it is, but I do think there is a lot of entitlement and a little bit of a loss of discipline and and accountability. And I think self-accountability is so important just to take ownership because none of us are perfect. I'm not perfect. I will continue to make mistakes. And I try to tell them, you know, as long as you own that, like you're going to get a lot of respect, but trying to blame others and push other, you know, push the blame on other people and act like you didn't have any responsibility in what happened Uh, It just makes people lose respect for you. So I think accountability, um, teaching them a self-accountability, teaching them, you know, how to be kind to each other. And some of these just basic life principles um, to be good teammates, but also then go into other things like a relationship with your partner or um, how to be, you know, a good employee, just different things. And they all really have the same core things. Like, I tell them, you you want to lead by example. Your teammates aren't going to want to um, listen to you if you're not out there pushing and grinding exactly what you're wanting them to do. So I don't, you know, I just think a lot of that is lost. I don't know how it got lost. I don't know what happened. You know, I grew up in a generation where there was a lot of discipline, a lot of respect for your, you know, just your teachers, your employees. There was a respect because that's who they were. And you owed them at least that. Now, how much respect you gave them probably depended on that going back to, you know, leading by example of how much were they, you know, earning from you. But I think at that, you know, minimum level, we showed respect to people just simply because they were in a, an authority position and there was expectations. And, and I think people in our generation, we did, um, we tried to do the things that were going to make us successful in school or, you know, do our homework or whatever, because that was expected of us. We didn't want to, uh, we respected the rules. We respected the consequences for that. And I think a little bit of that's lost. So I really try to like teach them that just because the world they're growing up in, it doesn't 
you know, uh, honor those things, that they could be the change, that they could at least make themselves, you know, someone that can change whatever they're involved in, whether it's their workplace, their relationship, their parenting style or whatever. So I, I just think there's just core values that we can just teach, but it starts with us, obviously, making sure that we're following those same core values. I'll be the first one to say, you know what, let me take ownership of of that practice that didn't go well because I probably should have done this or, you know, so. Yeah. And I'm sure your team sees that and they respect you more. One of the chapters of your new book that really resonated with me is the chapter about you got divorced from your high school sweetheart and then you got remarried to your high school sweetheart and the lessons you learned about communication and just marriage and parent yeah. and gosh, I, I could really relate to that chapter. That was a very personal chapter of the book. You could easily left that out. Why do you decide to include that in the book? You know, I, I am a very private person and that was one of the things that you, when the, when the producers of the show reached out to me, that, that made me a little bit hesitant because I, I didn't really know if I wanted to open myself up to the world, like, you know, in that manner, but. I just remember when I went through my divorce, I was very vulnerable and I just learned so much about myself. I really leaned in on my faith to get through that time. It was very difficult. And I just thought, you know, this is, this is really worth talking about because I feel like it was so many people could relate and could probably benefit from, um, you know, what I had to say about it. So I wasn't ashamed. And I think, I don't think you should ever be ashamed of any failures that you have, because obviously that was a, you know, a failure. We, we, we got divorced, but, but I wanted to also do better, be better, learn from it and get back to the place where I could grow from it. And, and I just thought that was such a valuable lesson. And, you know, I actually spoke about that when I was on Dancing with the Stars, one of the packages that we had was about our divorce. And I had a lot of people reach out to me. I'd already written about it, so I knew that it was going to be in the book. But um, it, it just, it goes to show that that really there's a chapter for everyone because whether it's you're a young child and you need that chapter about positive self-talk and, you know, making sure you have confidence in yourself or you're in a relationship and you need to learn how to communicate better. Um, you know, it isn't just about, you know, leadership. It's about really all those things that create success in all areas of your life. So, uh, I'm really glad that I opened myself up, but I, I honestly, since I got divorced, I knew it was important to talk about. I had Sue Bird on with me recently, WNBA star, Olympic champion, WNBA champion. She's won lots of different championships. And I asked her about winning and climbing the mountain over and over again to motivate yourself to continue to win. So I would ask you that same question. 14 national championships. A lot of people after one or two would have said, hey, this is great. I don't need to work as hard anymore. Yeah. You not only have done this 14 times, but you're in a sport where perfection is pretty much required. There's, there's yeah. very, mar very little margin for error. How do you 
continue to climb that mountain, Monica, where you get your, yourself and your team up over and over and over again? Well, you know, I definitely, I mean, I could have stopped a long time ago. I, I did what, that, what I wanted to do to prove that I could take this program to another level. I've done that. At this point, you know, I, because I did pretty much build this program from the bottom, I feel like it's my baby. You know, this is my program. I've put everything that I've had into it and I'm not ready to pass the torch yet. You know, I'm still invested in it and I no longer do it for myself. Not that I only did it for myself before, but, you know, I do it for, uh, the kids, the community, the college. I, I, uh, don't want to disappoint anyone. And I think that's a driving uh, motivation for me on a daily. I definitely am a pleaser. I do not like to disappoint anyone. So if it requires me to work harder, work longer, whatever, you know, I, I definitely put my best foot forward in order to achieve these goals so that the kids who've never won before can win and have that feeling. I can teach them different lessons to, you know, maybe put them on a path that they never even knew that they wanted to be on in, in their future. So um, it's definitely very, very difficult, but I just, I'm, I'm not ready to pass the torch yet. So I love the end of cheer, spoiler alert, <laughs> you win and they get to go in the ocean. Yeah. And you could just see the tears and the emotion when they won in the ocean with each other. It seems like, like the vision map is win and get to the ocean. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a a big part of, you know, it, it, it's not about a piece of metal. As you know, with anything, it's about even the small little steps of success in practice, where you learn a new skill, where you hit your first pull out for the first time. Um, all of these feelings that, um, you know, where you're, you're just on that high, that dopamine is at an all-time high. These are those feelings you're pushing for to constantly improve and be better. So it's not about a piece of metal. You know, it's about constantly uh, having these small successes with obviously this big, huge success as the final goal. So, uh, you know, running out into the ocean, it's just that moment of I did it. All, uh, all the sacrifice, all the hard work you know, was worth it. Um, and I think we all put our uh, energy into anything for, for those moments of that feeling of success and being proud of yourself. Again, you're in a sport where practice requires repetition, repetition, repetition until you get it perfect. And I know you've got a saying on that, <laughs> where, and maybe you could share that with our audience. You talk about it in the book, but I think it's so important, not only for sports, but for business or for life, if you prepare for success and perfection and you do it over and over again, it becomes habit, right? Correct. You know, you're building that muscle memory. You're, you're building that trust. You're building that confidence. It's about a whole bunch of different things. We want, you know, cheerleading is so mental at times. You can, you start getting in your head and the more confidence you're building, the more Tom, you know, you keep going until you get it right. And then you keep going until you can't get it wrong. That is definitely what those reps are about is building that confidence and building that consistency to where you feel so good about what you're able to do that all you have to do is go out there and perform and enjoy that moment because you, 
put the work in, you know, you don't have to worry about you put the work in before you got there. Yeah. I mean, you can tell. And, and the thing that really stood out to me with the, the documentary on Netflix is these are elite athletes. You know, it used to be, as it said at the beginning of the series, cheerleading was some pyramids and you were yeah. other athletes. The athletes who are cheerleaders and dancers, again, as I've seen in my own home with my daughter, this is like grueling. You're battling through injuries. I, there's grit and grind that I had never seen before. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Greg Whiteley, the, the creator of the show, he was the creator of Last Chance You. And he said, you know, in one of his interviews that these were the toughest athletes he had ever filmed before. And that was, you know, an honor for him to say that. But they they truly were blown away. I mean, coming in and filming and not really seeing the level that we were at in person before, you know, it took them a moment to get adjusted. We kind of took their breath away quite a few times until they got adjusted to what we were doing. And you're looking at like thousands of hours of footage that they captured and they're drilling it down to six episodes. That must have been so hard. Were you involved in the editing process or did you not see it till it was all done? No, I had no clue, you know, what it would turn out like. I, I just trusted them. I, I was very proud of the program and how hard we work. And, you know, when they reached out to me, I said, of course, I would love for you to uh, do a, you know, a docu-series on our program. I'm very proud of it. These kids work so hard. And I don't think that people even understand what, you know, kind of grit and determination and athleticism that they have. So, and I don't think Greg did either. I think they, they thought they knew, but they really didn't, you know. And I've had no, I had no pl- uh, part in the editing. So, okay. um, I, you know, I had no idea what it was going to come out as just a chance you take. <laughs> I would be quite certain that since that has come out and even before that came out, there have been bigger universities that have come to you and said, you've won routinely every year. We want you to come coach at our school. You continue to stay at Navarro. What is the attraction to staying at Navarro? And again, like you said earlier in our conversation, you've built this with your own two hands from the ground up. Yes. And I mean, that's, this is, this is my, it's my baby. It's my program. And I can't see myself honestly ever coaching um, any other program. I didn't go into, as you, you know, read in my book, I, you know, went to school for business finance. And I always thought as a, you know, in high school and in college that I would be in the business world. I thought for sure I would be in the finance world, you know, somewhere. And this just kind of fell into my lap. And even then I thought, well, I'll just do it for a short term. But I absolutely, I've always been very passionate about cheerleading. I love, you know, everything about it. I've always been athletic. I've always been competitive. So it wasn't hard for me to get pulled in to, you know, into the uh, passion of it. I, you know, I'd kind of set my goals for business to the side. And, uh, you know, if I ever did not coach at Navarro, I think that it would be because I was doing something. I was just exploring, 
you know, that business avenue that I uh, went to school for or something like that. I don't think I would want to, like I said, I've already proved to myself that I could do what I wanted to do with the program. So I continue to do it for the community, the kids in the school. So at that point, you know, I, I, I could just pursue other things and I don't think that I would want to go to another school. I mean, I'll tell you this, from where I sit, what you've built is so impressive because it's not at University of Texas. It's not at USC <laughs> or UCLA or, you know, or somewhere like that. It's a lot harder to do it with your budget and with the constraints on your university than it is at one of those huge schools where there's a lot more donors and there's a lot more money flowing in. Uh, absolutely. So I mean, remarkable. Yeah, we don't have that big game day experience to recruit under. We're simply recruiting under hard work and determination. You know, you come here, we promise you, you'll get hard work, determination, and a lot of great life lessons, you know, so. So my daughter had a question, and I have yes. to include it or else she'll, she'll kill me. <laughs> so again, she watched Cheer. She's watched it seven times now. Oh, my I goodness. Um, you know, she loves all the characters, including you. But one of the questions she had, and again, she's a dancer. Um, Morgan got hurt on the show. I think she fractured her ribs and she wanted to continue to compete. So my daughter's question is, how do you protect athletes from themselves when they want to compete so badly? They want to be there for you. They want to be there for their teammates. But sometimes you have to say, you know what, you got to sit down because you're hurt and you're risking your long-term health. Correct. Um, you know, the good thing is we have um, an athlete training staff that we depend on to make those kinds of decisions. And um, they do send the kid to, you know, to the doctor to have x-rays or MRIs or whatever it is that, that needs to be done. Uh, I don't make those decisions. I, I, I mean, obviously, for dramatic effect, the editing some kind of, sometimes can be, you know, leave out some things. Right. But uh, to where it looks like Monica forced somebody to do something. And I'm, I would never. I'm very, we are actually a very cautious program. I know it showed every single fall that we had, but it didn't show the 1,000 times that we hit everything right. correctly. So, you know, I mean... Um, you didn't see what you don't see in the show is all the progressions we do building up to, to the more difficult skills and the safety precautions that we take. Um, there were definitely times that I have to force people to sit down. Uh, so, you know, the, we have a saying kind of, are you hurt or are you hurting? Uh, you know, a lot of pe- a lot of us are hurting because we're worked out really hard the day before or we're pushing ourselves, you know, really hard, especially during Daytona season, you're going to, your body's going to feel it, you know, but if you're hurt, we want to make sure that we're taking the right steps to, to get you better and to not injure you or put you in a situation. And so, because I'm not obviously educated enough in that area and certain things to make those decisions, I don't, you know, we, we send everyone to the uh, training staff. They send them to either a doctor or if they can't handle the, this, you know, whatever it is at that point. But, um, so yeah, we are actually very cautious with any of that. And I think, yes, there's a time when you have to push and especially if we're in competition season and, and if the doctors say, uh, it's not going to hurt them any further, but it's going to hurt. Well, then you might 
being some pain pushing through for the next week or so, you know? So yeah, there are those situations, but once again, it's always by guidance from the professional in that area, which is not me. (laughs) Two more questions before we wrap. Number one, in your book, you talk about inspiration and, you know, whether it's your family or uh, people you grew up with when you were in cheer, but I love the story that you tell about Taylor Swift. And maybe you would share some of that story with our listeners, because I think it's such a great story when, you know, by hosting this show for 18 years, I've met some of my inspirations and we got to connect with her. I bet that was a pretty cool thing for you. Yes. I mean, I've always admired, uh, you know, Taylor Swift. Obviously, I'm a Swifty. Yes. Every song is great. Uh, So since she was you know, I just remember her first coming on the scene and thinking, okay, this is this young girl is interesting. You know, she's in the country genre. I love country. Uh, she moved over into pop and just every decision that, that she made to me, and I've been to all of her concerts. So she's, she's really a genius creatively, um, obviously business minded because she has, you know, she drops an album and nobody even knows she's working on it. I mean, just some of the decisions that she, that she made, that, you know, because a lot of times you're talented in one area, but you might not be the most business, you know, minded person. So you depend on other people, but she really, you know, drives her own car in this, you know, journey of hers. And she makes all these really brilliant decisions, you know, which I said is, you know, like the title of her album, Fearless, I feel like she is truly fearless. And to me, that's very inspirational because that's the kind of person that I want to be. I want to be great at my craft, but I also want to be very business minded. I want to be, you know, a genius in all the areas, not just, you know, one, one lane. And, um, yeah. So when her, um, publicist reached out to me and I actually just got, uh, so she sent me her PR box for Cardigan when she dropped the album last year. And then she just dropped her new album, Red, the Taylor's version. And I got an, I got another PR box. I got her, um, I got a sweater and some other things from, from her. And that I wasn't, I was kind of expecting the other because her publicist said that Taylor was going to want to send you a gift. And I was like, okay, okay. But, uh, you know, that was a year and a half ago. So I was so excited. So so I'm going to send Taylor my book. That's fantastic. Well, yeah. I'll you guys meet in person someday. Yes, me too. <laughs> meet your inspiration in person. All right, last question. My daughter and my audience will kill me if I don't ask it. Is there going to be another season of Cheer or are we done with Cheer? Can you tell me? Can you give a hint or is that stay tuned? That is... By the time that this, your audience gets to hear this, they are going to know that, yes, there is a season two coming out very soon. Excellent. Well, I think (laughs) my daughter and many, many people and myself will be very excited to watch season two. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot happening. It's a lot going on. I I mean, obviously I don't know, but I, uh, I actually lived it. So I know it, it was a tough year. (laughs) It was a tough year. So you're up for doing it again. Yeah, you mean another? You mean next year, another season, or this coming year, another season, or just? Yeah. We'll see. Okay. All right. 
So I want to tell everyone, go out and get full out lessons in life and leadership from America's favorite coach. Monica, I loved your book. Like I said, as a parent, as a business person, as someone who's been involved in sports and business, like it's just a great read. It's one of my favorites so much. of the year. I'm going to add it to the shelf behind me. Many of the people who wrote the books behind me have been on this show. So I'm going to add your book behind me so everyone can see it when I do my interviews in the future. But just a uh, tremendous job by you. And, you know, I, I found your book really relatable and just continued success to you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Monica Aldama, you can follow her on social media at Monica Aldama. Hi, it's Brian Berger here. In addition to hosting Sports Business Radio, I'm also the co-founder of the consulting firm Everything is on the Record. Since 2007, we've been working with CEOs, corporate spokespeople, pro sports team owners, athletic directors, elite athletes, and coaches to help them navigate the tricky media and social media landscape. My business partner is Rick Buecher of Fox Sports. As part of a new partnership with e-learning platform Open Sesame, we are now offering many of our teachings via on-demand courses available on video. Courses include presenting your best self in a video meeting. Your personal brand is connected to your employer's brand. Pause before you post, text, and email. And scrubbing your social media. To take any of our insightful video courses on demand, visit opensesame.com and type in the words, everything is on the record in the search. That's opensesame.com. To learn more about how we can provide a customized training session for your organization, visit everythingisontherecord.com. That's everythingisontherecord.com. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. And thanks to our partner, Molka Sports, for powering Sports Business Radio. Learn more about them online at molkasports.com. That's M-A-L-K-A sports.com. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Sports Business Radio is produced by Brian Griggs and Griggs Productions. GriggsProductions.com.